0: Story Forest, original tales for curious and adventurous children. George wakes up back in his own bed after travelling back in time to help a girl called Clara. He explores in the daytime, but when he goes to sleep, will he return to the night castle? Written by Anna Roberts and read by her favourite storyteller in the world, her mother, Pam McNaughton. Maiden in the Maze George and his mum had arrived at Clarthen Castle the night before and looked out at it, set on a hill slightly offshore, connected at low tide by a path to the mainland. And then, in the night, he had gone to sleep, then woken in the castle in the past, where he met a girl called Clara and helped her to find a clean dress to wear to her first feast. George wished he could think it was a dream, but he knew it wasn't. After a pretty epic breakfast, George and Mum got ready for the day. For Mum, this meant loading her bag with lots of historical books and several notebooks which were all for slightly different things and then a picnic, almost as an afterthought. For George, this meant snacks, his gaming console and a few books. although. After his nighttime adventures, he had to admit that he was more curious about the castle than he had been before. What had the place he had started to explore last night become? Then there was Mum's mystery. Before they even came here, she had been wondering about Clara. The very Clara, George thought, that he had met the night before. Apparently, she just disappeared. Could that be true? When Mum had found everything, they set off walking to the castle. Mum had made sure that the tide would be out, and so they got to the edge, looked out at the castle, and then started to climb down a rather steep stairway cut into the cliff. George was looking around him, trying to decide which part of the castle he had woken up in. You're quiet, Mum said, and George laughed. It was true, he'd usually be moaning by now. Just concentrating, Mum. They got to the bottom of the steps. The dip between the cliffs and the castle was deep, and although there was a pathway made in between the two, the rest of the ground looked like sludgy sand. George started to walk along the path. How did they used to get across here, Mum? I mean, in olden times. Mum brightened. She loved it when he asked her questions like that. Well, firstly, they did choose this as a place on purpose. It makes the castle easy to defend and hard to attack. From the castle walls they could use bows and arrows to shoot anyone, and of course any attackers would have a hard time getting across the water at the best of times. She paused for breath. George waited. He should have known that asking a question was likely to result in a whole history lesson. Mum continued. Clarthen Castle was built as a fort, initially by the Picts. It was captured by the English in the 1300s and has been gradually built on as time goes by. Hmm, George said. They were coming to the edge of the island now and started to climb some rough stairs. George realised that the island and the castle were both much larger than he had thought. So, by Tudor times there was also a bridge for the last bit but it was a very clever bridge called a drawbridge, George said. You could have just said that, Mum. I do know what a drawbridge is. George thought of all the times in school that they had learned about castles, about the bridges that could be put down over a moat or over an empty piece of land or withdrawn when enemies approached. Well, yes, they climbed on in silence until at last they came to a door. It had a big notice board next to it with various notes and pictures. They walked past and into the castle. They had come into a large rectangle of space, surrounded by walls that had fallen down. George's heart rate quickened. He was pretty sure this was right next to where he had been the night before. He had woken in a room overlooking this very courtyard, just hundreds of years in the past. George and Mum spent the morning trailing around the castle, Mum working on whatever she was doing and George trying to work out where he had been the day before. He was pretty sure now that this was the castle. The layout seemed almost exactly the same. They stopped for a picnic lunch and watched the few other visitors poking around as they munched their sandwiches. George thought that more people should come here really. The view was amazing. In the afternoon, George read a book and Mum carried on. Then they went and got fish and chips and played a board game until bedtime. Once Mum had said goodnight, George looked at his bed. He briefly wondered whether he might be safer sleeping on the sofa or in Mum's room, but he knew there was no logic to that. Last night was an anomaly. Surely it wouldn't happen again. Although there was certainly a part of him that was hoping it would. He got into his pyjamas and climbed into bed. Though he closed his eyes, it took him a long while to get to sleep. In fact, when he woke, he didn't feel as though he had been asleep at all, which made the fact that he was outside on the floor and the fact that it felt like late afternoon even more strange. He got to his feet and looked down. He was dressed in the same clothes he had taken from the wardrobe when he had dreamt of this place the night before plus a warmer coat. Now he thought about it, the air felt cooler than it had the night before. And he was surrounded by tall hedges, far higher than his head, or almost surrounded. He saw a thin path leading the way ahead of him and started to follow it. George knew what this was, of course! Over his life with Mum, he had visited loads of old houses and castles and the best ones always had a maze, preferably an adventure playground and an ice cream shop too. But the maze was the best. He loved getting lost and working his way out again, something he had in common with the Tudors, he guessed. So he was in a maze. He quickened his pace so that he was rushing through the hedges, turning corners, coming to dead ends. If he didn't even know how to get into the maze, how was he ever going to find his way out? But he wasn't worried. Mazes were fun. He remembered the rule he had heard and put his right hand on the hedge. If he just followed it, surely, eventually, he would get out. It all seemed to be going well until he heard a sound. And it was a sound that he recognised. It was Clara, and she was crying. Clara! he called out over the top of the hedge, and the crying stopped abruptly. "'George!' she called out. "'I'm lost! Come and rescue me!' George sighed. "'I'll try, but this is a maze, and I don't know the way through it. "'You'll have to keep talking, and I'll try to find my way towards you.' "'You're meant to be here to help me!' Clara said, a little petulantly. "'Surely you can find your way through a maze?' I'm not even sure I am here to help you, George shouted, crossly trying to decide which turn to take to bring him closer to her. The left one seemed to be a good direction to take, so he took it, but it quickly came to a dead end. He turned around abruptly. This is very strange, but I come from the future. Where I come from, your castle is in ruins. It's hundreds of years ago. Clara didn't say anything and George was annoyed again. You have to keep talking or I can't find you, remember? Oh yes, she sounded strange. But both times you have appeared when I wished on my wishing box, so that must be what brought you here. George would have liked to reply that that was very unlikely because magic wasn't real. But of course here he was and what other explanation was there? He took a turn that looked promising, twisting in the right direction. "'Well, it's all a mystery,' he spoke shortly. "'Did you really make a wish just because you're lost in a maze?' "'Not quite,' Clara said tightly. "'You'll see when you get here. It was all Griffin. Again!' "'I thought that maybe he had stopped tormenting me, "'but he must have been preparing for this.' "'Hang on,' George was confused.' but also pretty sure that he was getting closer. How much has he been tormenting you since yesterday? Yesterday? Yesterday, when you arrived and when I was here last. Now Clara laughed. Oh, you are very strange, George. We last saw each other months ago. It was the beginning of summer. Now it is cold. At that moment, George turned the corner and there in front of him was Clara. She was looking flushed and her skin seemed a bit darker than last time. And her hands and feet were tied together with pieces of cloth. She gave him a sad sort of smile. I suppose things are different in the different places that we live. Will you untie me? George stepped forward and started to untie. The knots were tricky and he had to concentrate. He wished he had scissors or a penknife. Eventually he managed to untie her hands and then her feet. Her skin was red from where the cloth had been. They think it's funny, Clara said, shaking her arms and her legs. They always do. It's horrible here, George. She gave him a pitiful look and though he had felt cross with her, now he just felt sad. Where are we in the castle? George asked, looking around. I didn't see anything like a maze where I come from. She gave him a sad smile. We're on the mainland. Griffin promised to show me a secret way through. But then when we got this far, his friends were here and they tied me up. George frowned. Griffin really did not sound very nice at all. Let's try to get out of here then. Follow me. He put his right hand out onto the hedge again and followed it all the way round. See, you are rescuing me, Clara said. We'll see, George said. Why did they build a maze the other side of the water? Clara laughed. It's funny and a bit mean. When Lord Clarthen has guests, he challenges them to the maze. And if they can't solve it in time, they get stranded because the sea comes in. Of course, he always rescues them, actually. I suppose Griffin was hoping that I would be stuck. George glanced up at the sky. Would they make it out in time? So Griffin torments you and your uncle. Is he nice? What about your aunt? No, my uncle is horrible, though he mainly ignores me. He only has me here because of my fortune. But my father made sure that he can't get his hands on it. He managed to leave it to me. She sounded very proud of this. My aunt, who was my mother's sister, is dead. I'm not surprised. It's horrible living here with them. What about the priest? George was trying desperately to cheer Clara up, but his heart was sinking too. And are there any other children to play with? Clara gave a short laugh. The other children are working, or too afraid of Griffin to play with me. The priest is nice, but busy. George kept following the hedge, noticing that his fingers were cold and that a breeze was beginning to reach them. The sky was certainly darkening now. And then they turned a corner and they were out. They laughed and hugged. Then Clara stiffened and George let go. The maze was right on the edge of the cliff and they walked over to the edge. Below them, the water had filled the gap between the cliffs and the castle. The castle was stranded and so were they. Your cousin Griffin is really, really awful, George said finally. I know, Clara said simply. There's a village nearby. I suppose we'll have to go there. George was pleased to hear her coming up with an idea and she led the way to where she thought the village was. George thought it was strange she hadn't been there before, but she said that the castle was usually very self-contained. And anyway, her uncle said she wasn't allowed. Soon they came to the edge of what must be a village, but it hardly looked like one. The buildings were in bad repair and the few people around wore very worn clothes and had tired faces. Clara frowned. You'd better talk, George mumbled. I have no idea what to say. Clara nodded slightly, then led the way into the village. Does anyone have a boat? she called out. I need one urgently to get back to the castle. I am Clara Greville. The centre of the village was a muddy patch with a few animals tied to wooden sticks stuck into the ground and a couple of women and small children. After a few moments of silence, one of the women stepped towards them. If you please miss, the boats are all out fishing. With the crops so bad this year and the raised taxes, we need everything we can get they won't be long. Very well then, we will wait. Clara looked around as though to sit down, but there was nothing there and so she didn't. The woman was looking at her with a curiosity that George was pretty sure was kind. Must be a shock for you coming here, she eventually said slowly and Clara's face reddened. Can't be easy without your parents. Anyway, I'm Mrs Sutton. My husband will take you across when he is back, I'm sure. The village was so poor. George was trying not to stare, but it was hard to believe that anyone lived like this. It was dirty and sparse. He remembered what Mrs Sutton had said about taxes, and his face began to redden. How could Clara's uncle be taking from these people? Surely he should be looking after them. And I'm sure my uncle will see that you are well rewarded, Clara said. And George wondered how much Clara's thoughts had matched his own. The sky got darker still. The women worked around them, Mrs Sutton looking over at Clara occasionally. Clara held herself tightly and George was sad for her that she couldn't let Mrs Sutton look after her. George wished someone would offer them some food or drink but thought that probably no one had any to spare. After what seemed like forever, a few men began to walk into the village looking tired and carrying a few fish between them. Mrs Sutton approached a man and spoke to him quietly. He looked surprised, then nodded quickly. Come on then, he called over to Clara and George and they followed him through the evening light to the cliff and down some rough steps and along to a beach at the side where he took out a rough boat. They climbed inside and, now with the sun shooting reds and oranges across the sky, he began to row them across the channel. They didn't speak. It was a magical, amazing journey, full of light and the sound of the sea. Mr Sutton finally pulled up to a small beach on the side of the castle island. George climbed out and Clara started to as well, but then looked straight back at Mr Sutton. "'Please don't go. I will bring you a gift from my uncle.' Mr Sutton's face didn't look as though he believed this would happen, and George had to agree. But Mr Sutton nodded slowly, and Clara started to run towards the castle. George followed. She had learned her way around now. She led him up a slope, and then in a small entrance that he hadn't seen. She ran through the passages and past people until they were right next to the kitchen again. She took a deep breath and looked at George. My uncle wouldn't give him anything, I know. I need you to make a distraction. Pretend to see a ghost or something and I'll grab all the food that I can. It was a pretty risky plan, but Clara's face was very, very serious. George nodded slowly. Ready, he whispered and she nodded. Then he began to scream and she ran. George didn't usually get into drama at school. Most of his friends thought it was stupid, but right now he wished his drama teacher could see him. He was screaming and swaying and his eyes were wide and his mind was racing. Soon, people were rushing towards him and gathering to watch. The hand, he said dramatically. The ghostly hand, I saw it. The people looked around and some girls looked scared. George took it up a notch and gave another unearthly scream looking around him all the time to see if Clara was done. Then he had an idea. A mouth, he whispered now, and the crowd leaned in to hear him. It is hungry, so hungry, it's coming. He pretended to sway on his feet. Just then there was a voice through the crowd. What nonsense. It was a woman with an apron on and she was turning back toward the kitchen. She was going to see Clara. Cook, I wonder if I might have a little word with you. It was the priest, Sir Thomas. He took the cook to one side and George was sure he winked at him. Then he saw Clara disappear around a corner, carrying something large on her back. George decided it was time to finish the show. He steadied his feet and looked around him as though he had been in a daze. He looked around at everyone gathered. I must go! he said dramatically. Watch for the hand and the mouth. And then he turned and ran the way that Clara had disappeared. George allowed himself a big grin. Hopefully, not only would everyone have been distracted, but they would think the hungry ghost had eaten the food too. He caught up with Clara on the slope down to the beach. She grinned at him and they got down to the boat. Clara had pinched a huge tablecloth and inside was a vast piece of cooked meat and pies and vegetables and fruits and all sorts of food. She thrust it at Mr Sutton, who couldn't say anything. He inclined his head, then pushed off. As Clara turned to smile at George again, he felt the world going strange, wobbly, faint. And then it was gone. He woke next a couple of hours before the morning. He was back in the holiday cottage, but his mind was back at the castle. Would Clara get in trouble? What would happen to her? And would he ever see her again? The end. Thanks for listening. Next week, George and Clara plot and work together to help the villagers some more.